Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Try my very best to embrace him anytime that we go through the show prep, but then Fiddy just decides that he's going to throw a whole bunch of trash talk my way and then get us started off on the wrong foot on a Friday. What's going on, man? Like, you, I feel like you came in sleepy. You had to record something earlier. Then you had the nosebleed, and now you're throwing some trash my way. I just want to know if everything's cool and if we're going to be able to have a good show before the weekend. I love how you call it a nosebleed, not the fact that you physically assaulted oh, me upon yeah. walking into the studio. <laughs> That's what I, I it might call for it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Might call for it. I was sitting there. I was on. I was on your side because Jeff was talking about it on Charlotte Sports today. And then I said, "Look, I'll carry on the misery with him because what happens is when the weather changes, it gets a little dry outside. It be like that sometimes, and you get a bloody nose out of nowhere. And who got you paper towels immediately? Me. I mean, that's the least you could have done for making my nose bleed. But in all seriousness. You know, I thought we were cool. We come in, you you know, you say good morning. You tell me I, what happened. You tell me what yeah, happened. Yeah, oh, I'm about to. So, you know, I sit down and I'm like, Walker, got a dilemma. And uh, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, Myrtle Beach Girl. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, this is the lead. Everyone had told me to stay away. And look, I you know, three weeks, four weeks go by, no contact. And then, so I'm telling you today, like, dude, I got a, I got a snap from, or still haven't opened it yet, by the oh, way. That, that, honestly, thank you for that. I and, appreciate that. And then you're just like, hey, man, I'm sorry that, you know, no woman wants to be with you or whatever, <laughs> but so- can we talk about the show? And, and so it was just a complete, it was just disrespectful because I know you've got a woman. Wes has a woman. I'm trying to get a woman and you didn't care enough. We have the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Robbie Dangerously writing in, come on, Walker. He pays for your lunch. This has gone on far enough. <laughs> this needs to stop. That was my thought. I'm like, if I paid $35 for somebody at Bossy Beulah's, I would think they'd treat me better, too. And, and, and to be fair and to just be accurate, mind you, like just so we can actually tell the truth, which is kind of tough. According to one third of the show, you know, what we can actually say that I told you, look, I'm actually very interested in the Snapchat that was sent to you from a woman in Myrtle Beach, because that's what I want to talk about. And they even have lead off the show on a Panther Friday. Like, I actually <laughs> want that to happen. I told you that we needed to figure out the show before Wes was going to put out a reel on Twitter that still exists. You can catch us at Wes and Walker is our Twitter handle. We got a new show handle there, so you can go check it out. And Wes made me dab. As you just dabbed, Wes made me dab at the end. If you want to see me make a fool of myself, which, you know, I feel like you needed to protect me a little bit more, Wes, to be honest with you. Because now here I am on video. I'm a radio guy. It's my background. You're a video guy. You know how to act in front of the camera. And I'm still here being awkward. You told me to dab on the show or on the reel earlier today. Well, you defended Cam, so I figured it was only right, especially that year since that was his signature celebration. You might as well hit one one time for the people. I did. I, was it okay? I mean, yeah, it was did a you good s- dab. Okay, well, that, as long as it was good, you can yes. go check it out at Wesson Walker on Twitter. And I did find this funny, too. When everybody was putting out their farewell tweets yesterday because people thought it was going to die overnight, you'd wake up and there was no more Twitter app, or if you tried to open it, then it wouldn't function correctly. I thought it was hilarious that it was literally the day people were talking about our Twitter handle 
that we only had it up there for just at one point. So, or just like one day, right? You'd go follow it and then you'd follow it for a day and then boom, Twitter was going to end. And so I always thought, uh, yeah, I thought that would be, um, a good one for us to put out there for you to follow just for 24 hours. All right. Got distracted because we got some breaking news here too. Rod Boone of the Charlotte observer said per league sources, Gordon Hayward originally listed as doubtful for tonight's game. Thank you as being upgraded to questionable. So got some decent news from Gordon Hayward. Oh, don't know if you can bank on it, but Gordon Hayward is questionable hodgepodge of topics today. Gordon Hayward questionable. We'll dive into that. LaMelo Ball not going to play tonight against Cleveland. The Cavaliers are on a five-game losing streak. Does that allow you to have some faith in the Hornets? We've got all this. We packed our bags. We're pulling up to the scene. It's time now to get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. So Gordon is upgraded to questionable, but we do know LaMelo Ball is not going to play. Steve Clifford told us right off the rip, immediately post-game availability after the Pacers game, saying we don't know what's going to happen, but he is not going to play against Cleveland. Now, we did get an update that the x-ray was negative on any significant ankle injury, significant to the sense that it is going to hold him out for a month, or you get some kind of Cody Martin designation where he's out four to six weeks because of the arthroscopic knee surgery. The thing with LaMelo, though, is we did not get a ton of clarity the first time he got injured. I don't know how much we're going to get the second time he got injured. So here we are kind of in no man's land again, wandering for some information like we're the weekend at the Super Bowl halftime show and we can't find it. How good do you feel about this update? And what does it tell you about the Charlotte Hornets going forward? Yeah, I don't feel anything at all because we don't get any information, as you said. So how are we supposed to know? how long he's going to be out. It sure looked bad from his reaction and the way they helped him to the locker room. I don't know if he's on crutches. I don't know if he's on a boot. They didn't say any of that as well because normally you get that information, especially with an injury to your lower leg extremity. So we didn't get any of that type of stuff. We don't know. So it's just business as usual over there in the Spectrum Center. Matt Greensboro writing in 704-570-9610. Gordon plays tonight until he stubs his toe on a courtside fan. You stop it. You don't put that evil on us anymore. <laughs> I don't want any more fans' feet Ooh. getting in the way. Hey, just pull them back. Put your feet under the chair. If Gordon or LaMelo, especially when he returns, if he is coming at you diving for a loose ball or going after it, put your feet under the chair. What's worse, though, if if they're coming at you? What if? Because I was going to say at first, just move out of the way completely but then if they just hit a straight steel chair we're getting into the wwe action that i love but then they could get hurt more than just hitting a person that we don't want we want that we want the thing that hurts them quite less it is hilarious to see the respect that fans have for players coming at them you compare Lamelo ball going after a loose ball out of bounds nobody moves a muscle i mean you can't i don't even know if that guy was breathing at the time he he seemed to be in the twilight zone just staring at nothing being hypnotized but if you go back to the time that Shaq was about to go save a loose oh, ball. Oh, I'm moving. Woo! I'm moving. Everybody, it is the seas parting yeah. when Shaq O'Neal decides to try to save the basketball out of bounds. So very different respect levels for both of those players. Yeah, I don't know how confident you can feel about LaMelo's return within the next week. I thought it was interesting, too, when Steve Clifford said yesterday or at pra- yeah Thursday in practice, media availability, he said that LaMelo had already done such a good job of putting in a lot of work the first time he got injured that he hoped that that would attribute to the second injury. I don't know how that works. 
And we can do the whole radio cliche of, or cliche, if you are the one guy that talks about <laughs> us on Twitter, whatever that is. I, of course, am not a doctor. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm not sure how all of the work you did before the second injury attributes to the time after the second because it feels like you re-injured it. And this one looked bad, man. I mean, he wasn't putting any weight on it whatsoever when he was helped off of the court, getting helped back to the locker room. The only thing we have to go off of, which is good news, and I want to give it its day, but that is that the x-ray is negative, so hopefully he can come back soon. Well, I think that... It may point to your point about him not being all the way back because you and I talked about it during the show yesterday. That stuff happens when you are playing outside when you were a kid or when you're playing in a game. I've even done it by myself sometimes. I'm not a goof troop, but sometimes when you're walking or running, sometimes you might turn over on your ankle, and that's what it looked like. And so to your point about him maybe not being all the way right, once that happened, it just aggravated mm-hmm. it so bad that he was in so much pain. And so um, because I feel like in a normal game, if he'd have been 100% healthy and did that, I feel like he would have been okay. But I think that maybe he was a little bit more hurt than he let on, and then he does that last the other night, so, and then he's done. So many injuries. You wonder if there was pressure for him to come back, put on himself, and I hope not, but possibly also put back on the team. Although it's probably LaMelo just wanted to get out there. We did have a few texts coming. And we commend that. We salute that. LaMelo wanting to play? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope people are saving him from himself, and we had this conversation a lot surrounding Cam Newton when he was here. But you're right. I mean, of course you would like to have a player that wants to go out onto the field or the court and do his best for the team. We did get a few texts. 704 Five seven zero ninety six ten. Someone wrote in any dab. Uh, Taylor D wrote in no dab post twenty sixteen is a good dab. Is that a good rule or can you still dab in twenty twenty two and make it look good? I think you can still do it sometimes, okay. especially if you're talking <laughs> about Cam during his MVP season. Yeah. Um, somebody else wrote in that that was not the signature move, that instead it was the Superman celebration for Cam. That's yeah. debatable during that year because I feel like the dab yeah. took over the world. Yeah, no, and he was dabbing. Yeah, the whole team was people in the stands dabbing and all that stuff. Superman was his overarching yeah. Celebration, But the dab for that season, that was the number one celebration. Now, if Cam Newton was in this game starting a QB, we'd feel a lot better for Carolina. And when it Would comes you? to the 10 player, yeah, hell yeah. Are you saying MVP Cam? I mean, yes, not or now. Or Cam Correct. in general. No, that's yeah, a good distinction. I was about to say Cam today. That's a, no. <laughs> that's fair point. Fair point. Yes. Cam back in the day. <laughs> oh, Cam you knew. feel great I would, about I would, it. I would feel a lot better about this team. And this comes up because we did release a reel on Twitter earlier today about who had the better MVP campaign, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton. I took Cam's side. Wes took Lamar's side. But he's not here, and so we're not going to have the ability to pick him amongst our top ten players in this game. We're going to get to that later on. I believe that is going to be coming up at the start of the 1 o'clock hour. So that's where we will be kind of doing the fantasy draft, which between Ravens and Panthers players, I will say I can't imagine anybody with a number one pick or listing their number one player would go anywhere but Lamar Jackson in right. this game. Lamar's got to be the guy, right? I mean, it's no question. I mean, he's one of the best players in the NFL. If, if you pick somebody else in this game, you're either just an extreme hater or you're not even going to be included in this type of high-level, sophisticated sports talk. <laughs> is that is that what we are? <laughs> I, I think you just lied about Elite-level sports talk. Yeah, there you go. I like elite better yeah. a little bit more so than the sophisticated. I don't think we're putting out the sophisticated sports talk all that much, <laughs> but maybe sometimes we can. Here's actually Glenn Clark talking about the Ravens and how they're playing. 
players are hating the talk of being heavy favorites going into this game. You know, I do a show, uh, Tyus Bowser, linebacker for the Ravens. We had our show this week with Calais Campbell. And, you know, Tyus talked about the fact that they're talking about that a lot this week. He actually was teammates in college with Greg Ward from the Philadelphia Eagles. So he went to the game on Monday night in Philly, and, and he said Greg Ward, like, openly admitted, we overlooked the commanders. We just absolutely were not thinking about them the way that we needed to be. And so they've been trying to hammer that this week in the locker room. Like, hey, we can't do the same thing. But it's so difficult. And I'm sure you deal with this all the time, Kyle. Where, like, when you talk about college football, it's easy to see there's a great disparity between the teams that are good and the teams that are bad. It doesn't exist that way in the NFL. No matter how much we want to believe that, it's just not the same thing. Even the teams that don't have good records, you can go back and look and they're a game or two or a player or two away from being a fairly competitive team. That was Glenn Clark on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday discussing the Ravens Panthers matchup and so I completely agree it's not something you want to hear if you're a Carolina fan Baltimore has the talent their defense not as good their passing defense is actually uh, something that can be exploited if Baker has a good day I wonder if the stars kind of align for him to possibly have a good one their rushing defense a lot better on the year than what their passing defense has shown this season at the same time I want Baltimore to overlook Carolina it seems like they're trying to keep that at bay as much as they can talking with Philadelphia who just lost their first game. So you're not going to get some franchise, at least what it seems like here, Wes. Doesn't seem like you're going to get a franchise coming in and taking this Carolina Panthers team lightly. No, not at all. And we know the Baltimore Ravens, what they stand for, intensity, blue-collar mentality throughout that organization. They draft well. They make great decisions. So uh, you would think with Coach Harbaugh and Lamar and the crew, they need to keep racking up wins because the AFC is tough. So they need to get as many wins as they can, and you can't afford to drop a game to a team that you should beat with as many tough games as you have to play in the AFC. Taylor D wrote in one more time. He said, I mean, you could pick the GOAT Justin Tucker if you wanted to in the top 10 players in this game. And then he said, no, nah, but seriously, it's Lamar. He's going to make it. <laughs> Ooh, oh, he's going to make mine. Okay. I mean, I respect the kickers. Yeah. I got it. I can count on it. I know at the end of the game, all I need to do is get it in the realm of 55, Justin 60 Tucker yards, and be, he's cash money. He might be the only kicker I would choose in this exercise. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to find out. You're going to have to find out. He's a out. goat kicker. At 1 o'clock. I don't know if Baker Mayfield is going to make the top 10, though. He's got <laughs> a lot riding on this start. It could be a start that saves one, a couple of other ones to come his way this season. Also, could this start lead to something where he is a QB for another franchise? starting next year. We're going to get to that in just a moment and discuss his past results against Baltimore. It's the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The Wesson Walker Show is gearing up for something that could be highly celebratory. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. And you can share your thoughts on what we are about to embark on. This journey is something that I love doing. <laughs> it's my favorite. I, I know. I'm not even going to imagine because I know that this is going to be something that is Wes's favorite thing to do on this show. And it is to experience... Fitty's dating life. Yeah, man. So as you mentioned, when we were going through our little spat that is pretty much hourly at this point in our <laughs> radio relationship, when we were starting off the show with our hourly spat, what happened was you brought up how you had received a Snapchat from 
some woman in Myrtle Beach that we had talked about a month ago with Ashley Strohline when she was in the studio, and everybody was interested. So I want to sprinkle this in during the show, but I do think we tried to do the whole Hinge profile thing with you the other day, and it just never materialized. I would like for that to happen at some point. It became unhinged. It became unhinged. Yeah. But then you gave us this little piece of content that I want to explore thoroughly, and you have not opened the Snapchat from said girl, correct? That is correct. I can't wait. <laughs> so so can you just provide a foundation? We're going to get to the Carolina Panthers in just a couple minutes. Yeah, I can wait. But can, you, <laughs> but, but can you just provide foundation so people understand what we're going to be sprinkling in throughout the show? Oh, you want to go back to like the very beginning? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just, give us, just give us some summation of what's going on. Yeah. All right. So this is a girl that I was introduced to through my ex-girlfriend at a birthday party two years ago. And then through that relationship failing, this woman, obviously very attractive, you know, obviously. we became friends on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Snapchat, and the like. Okay. She had some boyfriends on and off, but they were they were not up to, to, to par for her. <laughs> and let's just, those are her words, not mine. Perfect. And like a month and a half ago, I shot my shot. And it was like, hey, look, I'm very interested. You know, I know you're a Myrtle Beach. I'll drive. And she was like somewhat impressed by that. Offered to buy her lunch. She wanted me to pay for nails. I didn't do for that. Good, and good then, job. Yeah. I think we can all commend you on that. That was all Ashley Strohline speaking wisdom into me. Mm -hmm. And then like a month has gone by, I've heard nothing back from her. And then today as I was driving into work, got a snap from her. Oh, and I the didn't feeling know is great, right? Once you see the snap, you get a little excited to say, I mean, it, look, maybe a little anxiety is there, but yeah, also I just some like excitement. Went, my eyebrow raised, and I was like, hmm, what's that about? And then because I know you mm -hmm. very well, and I and I know Wes likes to have some fun, I was like, I'm going to save it for the show. And so now that's now that's where we are. Okay. I got it about an hour and a half ago. It's still just, no, it's been about two hours now. It's just sitting there. Okay. Tell us what you think we should do. 704-570-9610. We're going to explore this. Wes, you have one comment before we need to move on, I, I guess. Kind I of. like the fact that he's letting it sit. I don't like the fact she asked for my dog to pay for her nails. Right. Like, that was that, the troubling that's part. That's automatic <laughs> exit right there. That was the troubling part. Yeah, yeah. A but long we gave him some advice. But maybe, maybe she has learned and, and maybe not even just learning. Maybe she just didn't really want to use him for his money anyway. Those fat stacks he's always talking about <laughs> or the Skrilla that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and the good thing is too, man, if you went down there and it didn't work, there's plenty to do if you know if you have to leave or whatever the case may be, there's a lot to do in Myrtle Beach. I love Myrtle Beach, one of my favorite places. The beach might be a it's little wild gritty, one way or the other. But it's, it's, yeah, 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 you got stuff you can do, you know, to take your mind off of things it, before you leave town. Yeah, that's gritty fitty is what it is out of Myrtle <laughs> Beach. I love. See, this is why I love our listeners because they are so excited about that content. Hurricane Hugo telling us to open that up. NASCAR Brad saying let's go fitty. There is tons of support there. And I will tell you, even if we have our troubles, there's tons of support from us, not Wes, because, I mean, there it is from Wes, but you don't have any troubles. It's really between me and you. Hey, we like this, too, because then, you know, some of the female listeners out there could hear that, you know, 50's pull, pulling up on some women and getting women, so they might want to get in on the act. All right, yes, we are helping him out at every single level, and I love every second <laughs> of it. Let's discuss the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield, he is playing a familiar foe this weekend in the Baltimore Ravens. Spent his whole career before Carolina with the Cleveland Browns, whole career really just being three or four seasons. But when he was playing with Cleveland, you know, 
Results weren't bad from Baker. And if you look at what he was able to do, he's 3-5, and five, so the record is still a losing record. I, mean, yeah. I don't want to act like he was a pro bowler out there. But he put together certainly some stat lines that were better than what he's done for Carolina so far. So these are the amount of yardage that this is the amount of yardage that he's been able to throw for in some of these games. 342 in a 12-9 win. 376 in a loss, 26 to 24. So two close games where Baker threw for over 300. The first three games of his career against Baltimore, he threw for over 300. There was a 342 yard outing for Baker Mayfield where they won 40 to 25. That's when it started to take a dip. They lost four straight, 192, 189, 343. And that crazy game, do you remember that crazy Baltimore Cleveland game, 47 42? It might have been like Monday night football. I think it was a primetime game, yeah. maybe Sunday night, but that was one of the better regular season games I'd ever watched. Um, and then you look at the last time they met, 190 yards, not too many, but two touchdown passes. They did end up winning 24 to 22. So if you look at what Baker Mayfield has done, it's not a bad stat line. It's not great, but it's also not a bad stat line. And it's better than what he's done with the Carolina Panthers against any opponent. Is there any sort of optimism that you can have with Baker as I read off some of those stats he's had against the Ravens before? Well, also, when you look at it, they rank among his highest yards per attempt. Uh, among his highest yards per game, as you pointed uh, all of that out as well. I don't read a ton into these going into this football game, but I do feel like that he is for me. I do see that 58.4 completion percentage, which, you know, we're not thrilled about that one. But uh, And he also likes to throw it a lot versus this team. I mean, they're among his highest attempts per game as well. He averages around 38 throws per game. I know that Coach Wilkes is not wanting to see Baker put it up 38 <laughs> times against the Ravens. So, yeah, I, I don't read a ton into this. This is a different team. He's got different weapons, different coach, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he may know them a little bit because a lot of those DBs and such are still there from during his time in, in Cleveland. But I don't think it uh, bears a lot as far as the way his game has digressed since then. And uh, coming in with the Panthers, who are a lot less weaponized than the Baltimore, I mean, than the Cleveland Browns were. The thing about Baker Mayfield, too, is it's a little bit of a different experience for him coming off of not playing for a while. And it wasn't because of an injury. It was because P.J. Walker was playing better at QB. And Steve Wilkes decided to have Baker on the sideline. The only time that he came in was the second half against Cincinnati. Played well, but it was against second stringers. He also had a dropped interception, but still overall played well, given the circumstances that were there for Baker. Joe Person of The Athletic wrote an article about his humbling stint on the bench and how some of his friends and players and even coaches have talked about how he needed that. In fact, that's the exact phrase from Rashard Higgins, who played with him in Cleveland, people Kind of really, I mean, they talked about Higgins being the favorite weapon that Baker Mayfield could utilize up in Cleveland. And so when Rashard Higgins was asked about that, he said, absolutely, I think he needed it. People need humbling experiences. There's things that we can go through in life and it humbles you being a backup, seeing someone else starting and just knowing the feeling of, you know, damn, you're not the man right now. You're not the starting quarterback. You probably needed that. So we'll see how his time out has been and how that could benefit him. I've talked about this a little bit with Baker. As you raise your eyebrow at me for just one second, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, he was angry at Cleveland, not because they were going after Deshaun Watson for the over 20 sexual misconduct allegations and assault allegations. Right. It wasn't because Deshaun Watson had that, although I'm not trying to say Baker was in favor of it. 
Baker was mad because the Cleveland Browns franchise were looking for a different quarterback and not committing to him as the starter for the future. Then he comes here to Carolina, where it's not like there was a bid for him. It's not like there were a lot of suitors for one Baker Mayfield. So Carolina has this fifth to fourth conditional pick that they're willing to give up because Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, that's it. Matt Corral, those are the only guys that you have on the roster at this point. And Matt Rule was still coaching for his job. The hot, the seat was hot immediately coming into the season. We all knew that. And they thought Baker Mayfield would give them the best chance to win. Didn't really work out the first five games. Dude got benched. Yes, injury also. Wasn't able to get it back once he was healthy. So P.J. Walker was just playing better, something I did not see coming this season. P.J. would be playing better than Baker. I imagine that is pretty humbling. So you, in a way, justify Cleveland's decision to move on from Baker. Maybe not even in a way. Maybe just outright you justify Cleveland's decision to move on from one Baker Mayfield. And then you also don't justify Carolina's reasoning for trading for you. You know, the conditional pick, it's actually going to benefit Carolina instead of giving them the fourth because I don't know if I see him playing 70% of the snaps this year. He would have to play a lot more games, and there's a couple quarterbacks that are just about even with him on this roster right now. I do wonder how much of that is in the back of Baker's mind. He does seem to have taken responsibility as a backup QB helping out P.J. Walker. I think that's genuine. I mean, at least what it's been reported. I think Baker Mayfield has really helped P.J. because P.J. Walker's such a good guy. What do you think about this personality quote-unquote transformation or maybe just alteration that he's experienced in the last few games? Well, the reason my eyebrow was raised at you is because he got humbled. But how many different ways did Cleveland humble him in their treatment of him at the end? First, the fact that you were the number one overall pick, and then you're gone. And the fact they don't want you anymore. And the fact they were looking for other quarterbacks. I mean... How did that not humble him? Were you still arrogant or still feeling like you were the man coming to Carolina after being the number one overall pick and your team doesn't want you anymore? Maybe he justified it in his mind as, oh, well, it's only because it was Deshaun. No, it was not. Okay? I, I think that probably is the reason, though. And plus, Carolina Panthers fans were justifying it a little bit, too. And their reasoning to have Carolina possibly be a contender this year. Okay, so then when the fact that nobody would trade for him – I mean, what what could he take from that? I mean, did that not humble him, the fact that teams weren't lining up to, to get him? Yeah. It should have to some degree. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, now he's humble because he spent a couple weeks on the bench. Like, come on, man. People but there just- is a difference. See, th- there's a difference in your team moving on from you because Deshaun Watson is available and – You realize the franchise is just wanting to win at all costs. The allegations be damned. There's a difference between that and there's a difference between that and, oh, man, P.J. Walker is playing better than me. I can't get this job back. But then the fact that, like I said, you sat there for for weeks and months and nobody even attempted to trade for you. And that's the thing to me that should have showed him the most opinion of what the league thought about him. I mean, I'm sure he thought, oh, go ahead and put me on the trademark and watch how many teams it's going to be. And then he was sitting there, you know, later on just saying, well, you know, watch how I many. It's somebody out there. It's somebody. You know, one of those guys trying to justify. So, you know, I, I, that sounds like a bunch of <laughs> baloney, baloney to me that, that a couple of weeks on the bench. If that's what it took to humble him, then we got more problems than we think in that situation. I understand the reason for that humbling more than you do, I think. Because I, I do think that, one, you kind of are 
backed up in a corner where there now there's no excuses. I understand the argument from his point. I don't agree with it, though, Wes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was not one saying that Baker Mayfield was about to light it up here in Carolina. Right. I did think he was good enough for Carolina to have a better record than what they were now. Right. Nobody saw this Baker coming. I mean, that is literally the worst starting QB in the league, the way that he was playing. It was that bad. Go right. look at anything you want to. It was that bad. I did not expect that. But with him playing like that, Baker doesn't have anyone else to blame but himself at that point. You know, he could blame Cleveland. In fact, you know what's crazy? The last win that he got for Cleveland, it was against Baltimore. Now, they would finish 0-2 the last two weeks of the season, but they played Baltimore the third to last week of the year, and that was where he came up with a 190-yard performance. Not great. Two touchdowns, one interception. Had a 58.5 QBR, but it was one of the better games that he played in the last month. In fact, it was the best game that he played in the last five contests he suited up for the Cleveland Browns. The only reason they got a win against Detroit, it was because, well, it was Detroit in one of those last five games for the Cleveland Browns. I I get it. This, to me, if this wasn't going to be the wake-up call, then literally nothing was going to. I could see how there was one more step to take going to rock bottom. Hey, I lost my job because this team wanted Deshaun Watson. Compared to saying, I lost my job because this team wanted to start P.J. Walker and maybe even injured Sam Darnold, the dude that they didn't believe in enough, and the reason they traded for me in the first place. I do think I could see that. Well, again, I go back to, like I said, nobody wanted to trade for him. We could point to pretty much any starting quarterback in the league outside of a couple, and if they went on the trade market, they would be traded for immediately. Where do you want to go? You want to go Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence? People would trade for him. Uh, well, but you want to go Kenny Pickett? People would trade for him, even though he had proven. Derek Carr, as bad as people talk about him. I mean, Daniel Jones, a- people would trade for him in a minute. Okay, but there's one that we could go to. As hungry and as these teams are. There's one quarterback we could go to and have evidence of nobody wanting to trade for him. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, so Because like, he ba- was hurt. Well, so was Baker. Right, but Jimmy G, if Jimmy G had been healthy, he would have got dealt. His team didn't want him, though. Who didn't? San Francisco. The team loves him. You talking about lynching them? Or you talking about the teammates? The team loves him. That's fine, but not the decision makers. I mean, there's a reason they yeah, gave Shanahan up. Shanahan doesn't like him, but and we don't like Shanahan all the time. Well, well, you should. We have nine a nation. But they didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo. But no other team did, though. They didn't trade for him. Well, like, right, but- I think that's the point, is that Baker was... You're, you're totally right. I put them in the same category. Right. That these were two QBs that were system guys, Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, is successful because Kyle Shanahan is one of the better offensive play callers. You don't think so? No, I don't. How is San Francisco, you think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good? to? No, I think think that we saw in New England when Tom Brady was down, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo play good ball, did we not? What, was he two and two or something like that? No, we saw the numbers, was he not? I mean, I don't remember the stats yeah, from Jimmy Garoppolo's. Yeah. I get them for days. you. I get them for you. <laughs> so we can. I'm just. That was so long ago, though. But I'm just saying. We but we've seen him. In, Baker Mayfield. But I'm just saying. Season. But we. But I'm saying we saw him play in another place good enough to where he was coveted. Jimmy Garoppolo was coveted when San Francisco traded for him. It, they they were able to get him. I mean, they paid a lot. You're right. Right. About that. That's what I'm saying. He was and that confident. was a long time ago when there wasn't enough evidence out there that he was not very good. Oh. <laughs> Baker. I mean, if we're if we want to go back to what have you done for me early, then Baker Mayfield had a great year where he led the Cleveland Browns to a postseason appearance. I believe he was top ten in QBR that season when he was playing under the first year with Kevin Stefanski at the helm. Yeah. Uh, but that but that's the point, right? It's the fact that. Both of these quarterbacks, they weren't pursued. 
You know, NFL teams did not want to go to him, and they were very similar. Successful years and systems, right, where we believe more in Shanahan. Maybe you don't, but the consensus around is certainly a beloved one with Kyle Shanahan and the way that he's able to call offensive plays. Stefanski was celebrated when he was able to lead Cleveland along with Baker, and they were within a shot of actually getting past Kansas City. That was a close game, and the Chiefs had to go for it on a fourth down conversion attempt. They got it. Eventually, the Chiefs would go on to the Super Bowl. So, Right now, in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world, man, Baker ain't done anything mm-hmm. for you. Now, Jimmy is definitely playing better than Baker right now, and you're not going to hear any argument from me over that. You know, that that's 100% true. Uh, the humbling experience, I think it's real, as Joe Person writes for The Athletic, and I do wonder if that is going to affect his play against Baltimore, and if he plays well enough, is that going to buy him another start for this team and even beyond? It's the Weston Walker Show. We'll continue to talk about the Carolina Panthers, but not before we go to a Fitty Flash. First one of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's a pretty wild story, guys. Coming out of Raleigh, a former NC State football player by the name of Joseph. I'm going I'm to butcher this last name, but I'm going to give it a try. Boltapelli, a 22-year-old, has been arrested for stalking head coach Dave Doran. Whoa. He played for NC State back in 2018-2019 and was quoted at one time saying, I'm going to get him, I promise, Dave Doran and the rest. He has later, he he then transferred to Maryland where he played in five games and started one. But this is uh this is a rather wild story. <laughs> I, I can't remember ever seeing a current former player get arrested for stalking. And, you know, communicating death threats to his head coach. Yeah, unfortunate, really scary. And I'm not exactly sure. I haven't read all the information on the story that it pretty much just broke, I guess, within the last 30 minutes or so, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, pretty scary here. And it's crazy to see all of the wild stories that we've kind of had in the ACC. Not that this carries any similarity, but I do remember the Wake Forest Louisville scandal that we had, right, where you had the games, the the playbook being left. And, I mean, and actually being, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was on the staff when I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting some of these stories that come out, but really hope that, I mean, I don't even know what to make of this, to be honest with you. Hopefully everybody's I mean, okay. that been, there were a lot of things I thought Fiddy was about to say, and that was not one no, of them. No. I would have been sitting here till tonight trying to guess things that he would have said, and I didn't think it was going to be that. I definitely want to get into that okay. and see what's going on there because that right. is crazy. Well, let's refresh. Let's go learn about the story. We can come back and talk about it later. But coming up, we got to get to the campus corner and play you some sound from Luke DeCock, who joined the Kyle Bailey show. And he discussed the chances that Drake may could win the Heisman. Also, we just have some other ACC games to look at this weekend. It's the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the Wes and Walker Show. Josh Fitty Marlowe behind the scenes. I did kind of just go right into the campus corner. I forgot that we have a drop for that. You would think I would understand the imaging by now, but we're still working out all of the kinks to the Weston Walker show. So I appreciate Fiddy working really hard, being the dynamic producer that he is behind the scenes. You can text in 704-570-9610. Let's get to some North Carolina Drake May Heisman talk once again. I made the case for him yesterday. Wes called it compelling. 
But he pointed out something I agree with, that he probably needs to beat Clemson in order to have a shot, and he still doesn't have that Heisman moment. My counter to that would be, I don't think anybody has that Heisman moment right now. Not anybody that's at the top. Not currently. Who is? You're and the hooker does. About to say that. And beating that. Alabama, even though Alabama's been diminished a little bit, but he does have that moment yeah. of Tennessee beating him for the first time since old. Six. That's true. No, Hendon Hooker does with the Alabama moment. I just wonder how much that's going to be in the, like, what have you done for me lately category because we usually see some of those moments come in at the end of the regular season or yeah. closer to it. But you're right. I mean, that's certainly the best moment that we've seen so far. I don't think C.J. Stroud has one yet. He he's coming up. He's right. got the game against Michigan, right? That's the And thing. then Blake Corum, uh, I mean, he had a great game against Penn State, but he doesn't have a game where he just went ballistic against yeah. somebody good. So that uh, to me, that Ohio State-Michigan game, is also a de facto Heisman game to me. Whichever player has a bigger game, I think, might have a little edge. But the thing with it's going to be harder for running backs can do it. I do think it's going to be harder for Blake Corum to do it. I think if he, he goes 250, he's got to have he got to be at game. least 200 over three tuds. And they win. Despite me making the case for it yesterday, you're right. I, I still wouldn't put money down that Drake May is going to win the Heisman, and neither would Luke DeCock as he joined the Kyle Bailey Show to talk about it yesterday. Because you have to remember, the people who vote for the Heisman, I'm one of them, but I'm, I'm really the exception of the rule. A lot of the people who vote for the Heisman uh, haven't watched UNC play all year. The first they're being made aware that Drake May is someone worthy of contention or consideration is, is on ESPN right now or on sports radio right now or maybe in their you know, newspaper or, or whatever. It, 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 it's very difficult for someone to come out of nowhere and win the Heisman. Now, if UNC wins out and they beat NC State on Black Friday, they beat Clemson in the ACC title game, that dynamic changes a little bit. This, this conversation isn't over yet. But it's extraordinarily difficult if Ohio State keeps winning to beat out someone like C.J. Stroud. And, you know, if Alabama goes on a run here at the end, people are going to start talking about Bryce Young again. That's what has to happen. You have to beat Clemson. I mean, even if you lose to NC State, the Clemson win in this hypothetical scenario, that's going to be detrimental to Drake May's Heisman chances, too. But, Fiddy, you put in the rundown how we should change how the whole Heisman voting process works, or at least we should have a lot more attention on someone as special as Drake May, but it's just not happening because Carolina football doesn't carry the same panache that Ohio State or Michigan does. So what do you think about the Heisman voting process and where Drake May should be? I just think, like, like for me, I'm a Carolina fan. He would not get my vote. I would vote Hendon Hooker over him. But the fact that it's really taken to the last week for his Heisman campaign to really be addressed shows you that in 2022, the Heisman Trophy process needs to be overhauled. We, we, we need to find a way to get the Heisman voters, first off, to be guys that watch college football for 12 weeks because a lot of them aren't. They are just, you know, they're, they're football riders that have earned the right to vote for the Heisman Trophy. They look at a stat sheet and then they cast a ballot. Because if, because there's no denying if Drake May was at Alabama, Ohio State, even Clemson, or the matter, he'd be the. Oh, it'd be over. Yeah, it'd be over by now. And so while I don't think he's still the front runner, I think the lack of hype he's getting shows it's time for this trophy, which is the most prestigious award in college athletics, to be overhauled in the modern game. The thing is, it's not even just exclusive to the Heisman Trophy how this process works, because the same thing can be said for the Baseball Hall of Fame, where it's absolutely ridiculous how some of these guys don't get in, or how some of these guys aren't unanimous decisions to get into the Hall of Fame. It's the same with the NFL Hall of Fame, right? So there are still some other awards and other accolades people earn because of some people that aren't necessarily paying attention to them as much as they should be therefore can't really speak on it as much 
I do think Drake May absolutely should be getting all of the attention in the world on this. Mm. What do you think about the process as it pertains to how we evaluate the best college football players and whether they can win that Heisman Award? Well, I disagree with the both of you. Okay. Okay? I think the process is just fine. I mean, we've had a Heisman winner from Louisville. We've had a Heisman winner from Texas A&M. We've had defensive players that have made it pretty high in the Heisman voting over the years. We've had offensive linemen that have made it in the Heisman voting over the years. And you talk about like Orlando Pace. So I oh my think God, that, that was like 30 years ago. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, I feel like the people that vote for, they, they do pay attention. I mean, we've had a defensive player win the Heisman with Charles Woodson. So, yeah, I'm going back dated. Okay, but, okay, so you want to get technical. So we'll we'll just go back to Lamar Jackson and Johnny Manziel. That's true. I feel like we've had guys winning from programs that you could consider mid-majors. I mean, I know, you know, Texas A&M, call it what you want, but they haven't been a major player. They want to be, but they haven't been. So I think the process is just fine. I think the guys who are really balling in the country, they get picked up on when they need to get picked up on. I think it's because the Carolina football program doesn't have the panache there As you, you like to say, this uh, I don't think they have enough to wear. No, as I said, this came out of nowhere. Nobody expected. There wasn't any buzz that, coming yeah. out of spring. There wasn't anything that said Drake Man is about to be the next big thing. And that's why I said next season, it's going to be in full gear every week. Every throw is going to be dissected. He's going to be at the front of every highlight show that you watch next year. So I think the process is just fine. It's just that, like I said, Carolina doesn't have a lot of cachet, a lot of pedigree as a program. But even yet and still, I think they haven't had any major games to really put them on the map. I think Lamar Jackson is the one you look to more than anything. And I think the difference between Lamar and Drake May, Lamar was must-see TV. And that's not to say Drake's not, but Lamar... Uh, we we haven't seen many players do what he does, and that even translated to the NFL. That's a special, crazy player in a unique way where Drake is awesome, crazy good, just what Lamar was doing. I mean, that's one of the most electrifying college uh, football players I've ever seen. Well, when you look at it, though, Lamar had his Heisman moment early in that year. Nobody saw Lamar coming either. They played a number what was at the time – the number five team in the country and Florida State. Yeah. Everybody thought they were going to get steamrolled. And then, whoa, who is this guy, Lamar Jackson? He's spinning. He's cutting. He scored, I think, five touchdowns in that game, and they were spectacular. That was fresh off the 70-point performance That's against That's what I'm Charlotte saying. So, yeah, yeah, so that was his moment early on that woke the nation up early in the season to say, hey, this is the guy right here when he just decimated. Now, Florida State ended up not being that good that season, but still at the time they were number five. The nation's eyes were on Louisville early in the season, and then he just came out of nowhere. So I think for uh, Drake, he just didn't have that marquee game towards the top of the year to make people really pay attention. Because app don't count. Sorry, app. I know you think you're the real black and gold, but you're not. I mean, but it was impressive either way. Drake May, (laughs) no, you're right. Drake May did come out of nowhere, and I feel like Devin Leary went to nowhere as the season started to go along. Here's Luke DeCock on the Kyle Bailey Show discussing not Devin Leary, but NC State struggling so much so that they got beat by Boston College. It does feel like that was very much a turning point, and we may be headed. When you, all right, so look, last year, turns out it was their season. They didn't get it done. They beat Clemson. They lose to Wake. They lose to Miami. This year, everyone thought it was their season. They didn't get it done. The receivers weren't ready. Devin Leary gets hurt. They lose to Clemson. They lose to Syracuse. That was all fine, but losing to Boston College is not something that this team, this program in this position should do, and it does feel like we may be headed toward a Herb Sendek situation where mm. they successful <laughs> coach man, who has had chances to get over the top but hasn't. And look, Herb had chances in the in the tournament. He had chances. 
And does that coach, after a period of time, and people are starting to get a little restless, good coach. I mean, I think Herb is very underappreciated here. I think Dave Dorn's a really good coach. But is it time for that guy to maybe leave on his own? Mm. The problem with that, if you bring up Herb Sendak, is <laughs> what have they had better than Herb Sendak? Which is the same question that can be applied to NC State football. Who are you going to get that's better than Dave Doran? I oftentimes hate that argument for professional sports yeah. because there's so many talented people in the coaching game where people that are fans of James Borrego. Nobody said, yep, JB is going to be the next head coach and he's going to be fantastic. And then people were actually... Um, frustrated that he got fired, right? Like the whole, who are you going to get that's better thing? Oftentimes that's baseless. Oftentimes you just, that's just something you say. Here with NC State, I I just think he's done a good job to the point where he doesn't deserve to be fired. And if Dave Doran wants to leave on his own accord, then fine. But it should be a step up, not because of what he hasn't accomplished with the Wolfpack program. Well, I'd love to have 50 speak on this, too, because I know he would get busy on this. But I'm going to go really quick uh, as far as I say the same thing with State. If anything, they are persistent in their pursuit of winning because – I, every sport, no coach is good enough. They can't win enough. And I don't understand state fans. They live in the 50s or the 60s or something, or, or maybe mm-hmm. 1983. That was the year they won the championship. Maybe they live there because I just don't know what their expectations are. If you get rid of Dorn, what are you expecting? You're acting like this is a program that's going to perennially get five-star, four-star guys every year. And you guys are going to be a powerhouse. Like, I would love to know from realistic state fans, what are their expectations for their program? Because it seems like they expect championship, championship, college football playoff. All right, let's transition to the top 10 players in this Carolina-Baltimore game on Sunday. It's something we've been doing the last few Panthers matchups. Whoever they've been playing, we've been trying to pick the 10 best players. We've disagreed. Probably going to disagree again. So check it out. Weston Walker Show coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.